Welcome back to the Pod of Greed. That's right. Uh, week 22, if you can believe it. I can't believe it. Yeah, I know. We just cruised by our, 20, our 20th episode. I forgot all about it. Yeah, we're in the roaring 20s. Well, well, maybe we'll be able to do something special for the 25th. It would fit the Yu-Gi-Oh! theming, I Hopefully think. our roaring 20s goes a bit better in America's. Yeah. We're in the roaring 2020s right now. It's going... It, it's, it's definitely going, going somewhere. It's going. Yeah. Uh, uh, to all our, our listeners that aren't in America, you know, good job. Or something. Um, Hats off to you. Yeah, so let's see. This is going to be an exciting week. Uh, this will be our last time recording at this particular location. Um, yeah, uh, inflation finally got to us, guys. Yeah, you'll see us somewhere else uh, next week. We'll we, be back. we don't even know what it's going to look like next week. Yeah, there's no telling. <laughs> but uh, you'll see us. More importantly, we'll, we'll though. We'll still try to have these up, though. More importantly, though, there is uh, some Yu-Gi-Oh! news that we have to discuss. Not it's as so much imperative. as in pre- previous It's so weeks. important. There's a lot going on. Really? No. Oh. There's really not much. Um, But I think probably the biggest story would actually be the Rush Duel. It's like Seven's World dropping in Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links. That's right. As you guys may or may not know, depending on if you've watched our main channel recently, and I know you haven't because I looked at the view counts, so go check that out. Stop what you're doing now and go look at that video. All right, now that you're back, you see that we got to have a sneak peek at the Rush Duel update for Duel Links. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're adding Yu-Gi-Oh! 7s. They're adding the Rush Duel world. Uh, I know some of this information has been, you know, it's been closely followed by more, you know, devout, I guess, Duel Links sort of content creators, hey, news sources. They've leaked information that I didn't even know about, and I was there for the sneak peek. Yeah. But like it was a really cool thing. Konami uh, invited us out to uh, their HQ in California. We got to, you know, check out the Rush Duel world, like, and try out the duels and stuff early, learn some information. Honestly, before we even get into uh, Rush Duels, I just want to talk about the uh, Konami HQ. Really cool place. Like, it, it was actually really dope. We've, we've been to Konami's, like, headquarters once before, but it was a different building. Mm-hmm. I think they've changed buildings. They say switched buildings. So this was, like, a, this was like a br- another brand-new experience if you're a fan of any of Konami's IPs, uh, find your way into that building. I don't know how you're going to do it. Yeah. Just find your way. I don't know how, but um, it's it's really cool. They have, like, all the different video games that they've made. They have, like... Multiple snake statues. Yeah, different statues of different, like... Of, of solid snake. Yeah, solid snake, um, artwork and stuff. They and, have a giant Blue Eyes alternative mm-hmm. white dragon statue um, that I think was used when Dark Side Dimensions released. Which was years ago. So that was like in 2016, I believe. But yeah, I guess when they were doing like the promotions for that, they used that statue and they now have it at the office. And it's really cool. It's even bigger in person than it like looks in the pictures that we've put on social media. Yeah, the thing is massive, yeah. Yeah, it's really massive, really detailed. Um, so that's a really cool thing. There's just a lot of really neat stuff there. It's kind of one of those reminders that like, you know, Konami doesn't just make Yu-Gi-Oh!, they, no, you know. they don't really they don't do too much of that nowadays. But they have yeah, they made do. They have they have things. a history of video different mm-hmm. video games. And they are still making like you know the Metal Gear Solid uh, remakes and stuff like that. So lots of pachinko machines, probably a few of those as well. No, those weren't at the office, but um, I'm sure they're at their offices in Japan or something. I forgot Konami made DDR uh, Dance Dance Revolution. Yeah, I forgot they made Frogger. I me too. If you can believe that. I forgot they made Frogger. But I didn't forget that I was surprised they remember that they made was the um, the old uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles like arcade game. Oh, they made those. Okay. Or not, not, we're not, they weren't all arcade games. But those old TMNT side-scrollers, Konami made those. That was crazy. 
Yeah, so they uh, their office is filled with all sorts of cool stuff like that, just mm-hmm. kind of um, in the lobby area. It's really neat. They have multiple consoles set up where you can play different. Well, at least the ones I was on had uh, like Metal Gear games on them. But uh, I imagine they had they had other games on those too. But they I had like four surprised. different consoles. Yeah. It was really cool. I just thought it was a neat place. Um, so we got to go out there, you know, work with some of the Konami employees um, from the Konami Digital team to bring a bit of a. I guess you could call it a sneak peek, unless you follow leaks. Um, I mean, for us, it was a sneak peek. Yeah, for us, it was. It was a really cool thing. I will say this, since um, you know, a lot of people. What do you think of Rush Duels? Like, having actually played the mode within Duel Links, its implementation, let's let's deep dive it. Rush Duels is actually, it's pretty fun, I can't lie. Um, I think, had this been the bare-bones, dry Rush Duels that we got with the uh, Switch game that released, Mm -hmm. I don't think I would have had as much fun, because that's... So what, what changed it for you in this one? Skills, actually. Yeah, yeah, you um, skill cards. Skills spice up and liven up what I would call caveman rush duels. Rush duels, the mechanic, the rubber banding of the um the whole I draw five, now you draw five, we we play out all of our cards and you know, that it could be a little stale on the switch on the switch game, but skills let you make more dynamic plays and probably earlier than you could if you didn't have skills. Yeah, so I guess for people who might not have heard of what Rush Duels is, um, Yu-Gi-Oh! Sevens was the seventh Yu-Gi-Oh! anime um, to come out, but it was a little bit different than the ones before it because they were playing a new type of Yu-Gi-Oh! that the main character in the anime, Yuga, from Goha Elementary School, I believe. Is Goha, it? Goha Elementary School. For some reason, I always called it Gohan. Gohan Elementary. <laughs> That's not funny because Paul, it's already been confirmed. You can't tell a difference between Gohan and Goku. Shh. Anyways, I really can't. Um, yeah. So uh, he and his friends, um, they've kind of created this thing called Rush Duel, and they're trying to spread it to the world. And so they made Rush Duel specifically, like uh, like in opposition of traditional Yu Gi Oh. Yeah. Like, they have normal Yu-Gi-Oh in that world, and they're like, nah, that's and, for old people. Yeah, they made Rush Duel because regular Yu-Gi-Oh feels too convoluted and difficult to play. Sound familiar? So um, that's why they made Rush Duel. And, um, yeah, it's really cool. The game itself actually is a physical thing in Japan, so you can buy the physical cards. and, and That's what I was doing the whole time I was stuff. in Japan. Yeah, when we visited Japan uh, last month, we did actually even see, like, the Yu-Gi-Oh! Rush Duel Kids League that was doing its finals mm-hmm. when we were at Worlds, and that was very cool. Those kids, they, they, were playing, they were playing some good Rush Duels, too. And they were using cards that we were, we remembered, like Jinzo uh, and Barrier Statue of Infernos. Which <laughs> is not nearly as broken of, of a floodgate in Rush Duel, because how Rush Duel works is that each turn, you draw until you have five cards at the beginning of your turn, but also um, you have unlimited normal summons. And I think something that a lot of people... So the idea with having unlimited normal summons means it's very easy to get monsters in the field, it's very easy to do tribute summons, and uh, you'll always have monsters in the field if you need ammo for any type of spell and trap effects. Mm -hmm. I'd say that what separates Rush Duel the most, though, is the fact that um, the power level of the game is quite low. Most level 4 monsters have like at most 1500 attack points and honestly most are even weaker than that they're not very chunky they don't have huge stats and then also um because you're tribute summoning a lot the tribute summon monsters don't often have like super powerful effects so you're able to tribute summon them usually get a lot of attacks in and then your opponent can always make a comeback 
because it's kind of the uh, mantra of Rush Duel that they That's talk right. on the show is that you're never out of a Rush Duel. You always get to keep playing. You always get to, you know, you never know what your next five cards will be, and they can allow you to make a comeback. I think I mentioned in that video, the um, as a modern-day Yu-Gi-Oh! player, there's something that feels so gratifying and so crazy about starting your turn with zero cards in hand and drawing five. Just yeah, each turn it feels fills like up it's your hand crazy. immediately. And crazy in a good way because I want to... I was reading like comments in that video where some people were just sort of like, oh, okay, this rush tool isn't for me. My my response to that would be, give it a shot and then decide if you truly don't like it. I'm not saying that you have to love it, right? Like this isn't a sponsored podcast bit. Like this is just me saying like, I think, it's, I think it was pretty cool. I got to play it. I enjoyed it. I think that everybody should give it a shot. Don't just buy into the whole idea. Because you know, like it's so easy to be jaded on the internet. Right, I'm jaded all the time. Right, like it's it's, it's easy to uh, you know sit here and say like, oh, I saw it, it looks kitty and stupid, or what unlimited normal summons that sounds dumb. I'm not gonna try, but I will say give it a shot and see if it changes your mind. You know, play a few games. It's pretty easy. I think like you can just hop right into the sevens world and just like pretty much get a starter deck or whatever. You get free. a free starter deck to just to get you started, and those cards aren't. Stellar, but they're serviceable. You can play against other people. The they'll get your feet wet. No one else is going to have such vastly better cards because, like Paul said, the power level in Rush Duel is quite low. I think the thing that that might tip the scales are just the skills that the characters have. Those skills are actually pretty pretty strong and pretty and meaningful. Yeah, and I'll also say there are um, two sort of points of worry that I've seen people say. Besides, just I think Rush Duel is dumb is uh, people saying, like, you know, well, if it's just a bunch of normal summons, it's the same as modern Yu-Gi-Oh. Yes and no. Uh, my response to that would be, the summons themselves are simply a vehicle to do things. And so to expound on that more, the monsters don't, like, have effects. A lot of the monsters that you're summoning are, like, vanillas. Or they might have a basic effect like those effects are <laughs> you can discard a card to decrease a monster's attack by 500 like we're talking that kind of level it's, of um, effect these are effects that they don't immediately impact the game state you have to like kind of make them impact the game state right the winner of a rush duel is the person who figures out how to use these kind of like minute effects to like turn the game on its head even though they shouldn't. Because a lot of these cards are like, switch a monster's battle position. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very, you know, low-level stuff, at least low-power stuff. It can certainly add up, though, when you're making comeback turns. So, like, on your first turn, maybe that stuff's not all that useful. But, like, once your opponent's kind of summoned a lot of stuff, you'll really appreciate being able to switch a monster to defense mode that has, like, 2,400 attack, but only maybe 1,000 defense. Now you can swing over and like, it. And or decreasing cool, something's like, attack or something. And it's not a slow game, either. I mean... You can start making meaningful plays as soon as turn two. Just that, given that they give you like 6,000 life points to start with, at least in Duel Links, you usually, even if your opponent makes a big play on turn two, you're probably not losing. So now you get to make a big play. You know, potentially. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not trying to like shill it or sit here and like, you know, say it's so perfect. I don't know that it's perfect. I'm sure that there are issues. I didn't really play enough of it to run into anything that like upset me in particular. I think that it's just something where it might not be for you. But again, I just say try it out and 
prove let it prove to you that it's not for you if that yeah. makes sense don't just you know write it off because it could be fun i do think that uh for there's a certain type of modern Yu-Gi-Oh player that rush duels is just never going to be it wasn't going to land for game. them mm-hmm. but i but i think that if you're a modern Yu-Gi-Oh player it is your duty to pass rush duel on to someone who will appreciate it that's a good way to put it because I mean, like we discussed with cross duel if these things fail, Konami is going to experiment less and less in the future. So even if you don't want to play Rush Duels, even if you don't want to spend your gems on it, even if you hate the very concept of it, please just pass it on to somebody yeah, who doesn't, suggest who doesn't to somebody play. Else. You know? Because I do think it's really well suited for young players. I think it's well suited for you know newer players. It actually does answer a lot of the issues people have with modern Yu-Gi-Oh! where like, it can feel like Going first is just means you instantly win or that you make 10-minute turns and unbreakable boards. Rush duel turns aren't that long. Despite the fact that you're doing a lot of summoning, mm-hmm. again, these are vanilla monsters. You are just summoning vanillas and then tributing them for, like, other vanillas or weak effect monsters and then, like, ending your turn. And then, like, it kind of goes back and forth. So the turns go by quite quickly, and there aren't floodgates. There aren't, like, you know, things that just say, like, your opponent can never do any of this thing ever. Like, the closest thing that it's got to, like, a floodgate is, uh, what, Gavin's one monster where, like... Yami Ruler. Yeah, Yami Ruler, where, like, when it's been summoned, it can switch itself to defense. So it so can that attack that turn. Yeah, so that your opponent cannot tribute someone on their next turn. Like, that's a level a seven gate. or higher monster. Yeah. So, exactly. Like, it's, it's such, you know, I just... So it's really interactive. It's pretty fun. Um, I'd say that it kind of captures the anime tension really well, like, kind of the push and pull. And... It's just it's it's a little bit different than Yu-Gi-Oh is, and also uh, one thing I think is really cool about it is they write out the effects better. Uh, yeah. They have requirement very clear effect. requirement effect. It's not like how in modern Yu-Gi-Oh or well, I say modern it's just how in Yu-Gi-Oh there's not really a consistent distinction about like what you know like what's a cost and like what all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just you know, and your turn is your turn. There are pretty much no, like, spell speed to effects in Rush Duels. Yeah, there's some traps that, like, lower the opponent's monster's attack. And there's, like, I mean, you know, that that's... Like, that's really it. There's not a whole lot of uh, things your opponent can do during your turn. So your turn is really your turn to do what you want. Yeah, I think that if I had to give any concerns I would maybe have about Rush Duel... And then, and not even concerns about the system. I think it, it works fine. I think it being attached to Duel Links is could maybe limit its potential, just because I know that for Duel Links there are a lot of people um, who just do not play Duel Links and have kind of made their decision that Duel Links isn't right. for me, so to speak. And so to them, they'll just think, okay, this Rush Duel thing is it's not going to change my mind. I'm, I don't play Duel Links or I'm past playing Duel Links. But I mean that. But a part of that is also the beauty of Duel Links. It's a free to play app, so. Uh, when Rush Duel releases, I mean, it actually won't cost you anything to at least try it. You know? Yeah, that's true. And like, I want to, you know, be clear on that because I don't want people to just think like we're just shilling for it. I don't really get any benefit if you download, right? Like, click our affiliate. Yeah, link. like I don't no, have, you know, like no. if you download it, doesn't get any money in our pocket. So don't worry, I'm, I'm telling the truth here. Like, I, I just want this to be successful because I, yeah. I want a Dungeon Dice Monsters game. I want it to be successful for even just the slightest chance that they might do a physical product version of it. I know that's probably not going to happen, but I really do think a physical Rush Duel game could be a lot of fun and could really 
be like sort of some of what Yu-Gi-Oh needs in, in the sense of like a soft reboot. It's just that like, I know that probably from Konami's end, that's a lot of commitment to yeah. like kind of get another product out on the market and, and the already very... We already have the tight, speed duel you know, format. I mean, and that confused people too because it was like, wait, speed duel, rush duel, what the hell? That's the same thing. And I could really, I have friends that I can imagine like, saying speed that exact duel, thing. Rush duel, isn't that what you say was doing in five Ds? Yeah, it's like no, there was a turbo duel. And that's just <laughs> like this. Yeah, so I mean, I think that the naming maybe conflicts a bit with speed duel, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I say just give it a shot, and if you just truly think it's not for you, then tell. Some casual at locals to maybe try it or something. I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, that's Rush Duel. Uh, check out our video on it. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out to Konami. They, you know, brought us out there to check it out. I genuinely do hope it succeeds. I think it has a lot of promise. I enjoyed myself. I think everybody should try it. Uh, anything else on it? I mean, you, you, Al, you were the one in the video more so than me. I wasn't really... I was just thinking about how this is more of like a uh, game mechanic thing, less of a a plug for play Rush Duel now. But, um, you know, we talked about before how um, people always say Yu-Gi-Oh doesn't have a resource system. And I always posit that, well, Yu-Gi-Oh's resource system was the monsters. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that form of Yu-Gi-Oh, maybe caveman style Yu-Gi-Oh, is very slow, it's very antiquated, and, you know, power creep kind of like, did away with all that, right? Yeah. In Rush Duels, it's actually it feels like an evolution of monsters are your resource. Because every turn you will have five cards in hand. Every every like level four lower monster is a resource to summon your bigger monsters. So you still have that whole I use my little monsters to make big monsters, but Next turn, you get another set or virtually another set of five cards to do that all over again with. So it defeats the whole caveman Yu-Gi-Oh is slow mentality where I can only summon one monster a turn and I can just try and keep my monster on board so I can tribute it next turn. No, you'll do all that in one turn. So you get the gratification of playing your biggest and your biggest monsters, your ace monsters, every single duel. Yeah, your opponent quickly. can't stop you. The game isn't gonna take forever. Like on turn like four, you're going to make Seven's Road Magician or Dragius, or you could do it on turn one. That's yeah, what- and my and I would add a caveat to that too is you have to I think to enjoy Rush Duel separate. Try like really hard to view it as its own game because while it is fundamentally very similar to Yu Gi Oh, like it's kind of based in the same principles. So many things that exist in modern Yu-Gi-Oh, just, it doesn't work the same way. So like I was saying earlier where people are like, um, well, summoning, summoning a bunch of monsters is the same thing. It's not like the same thing. Like the implications of it are way different. And when Alex says you get to summon your boss monster like, you know, first turn every or every duel or whatever. In modern Yu-Gi-Oh, that sounds like maybe what some people might dislike about modern Yu-Gi-Oh is the fact that I'm going to drop Barone and Opelosa and all that stuff like, on turn one, this is these boss monsters are not like you can't play cards. They don't have negations. They don't have like these like protections they, and stuff. They, they get kind of big or they attack multiple times. Yeah, usually they just summon themselves out. They do kind of the boss monster thing, which is get big or maybe do multiple summons or something. 
And then at the end of the turn, they kind of go back down to just being, they're there, but either their attack is lower or they're just not able to, you know, stop your opponent. So, so many things just take on a different role and like, it's not, you know, so. And I highly recommend everybody uh, play the, um, the Luke deck, the uh, multi-strike Dragius deck. Uh, it's a lot of, it's very fun and easy to use. So. Yeah, I would say it's probably the most like instantly just effective. Like, more than, yeah, I think more than likely that deck will be the one that takes off in Duel Links. Certainly for beginners. I think, I think. Early on, it will. Maybe over time, you know, people will like adjust for it and they'll figure it out. But I think as far as if you want to just get in and hit the ground running, I, I had a very easy time adjusting for it and ha- and uh, playing with it. And it was fun. It was a lot of fun, honestly. Yeah, so that's Rush Duel, basically. I mean, mm-hmm. give it a shot. It's fun. There's a lot of different, you know, skills, characters, cards. And lots of references to the modern game. Yeah, a lot of those, too. A lot of cards are funny, like, different takes on existing Yu-Gi-Oh cards. There was... And I've seen a lot of, uh, like, speed uh, rush duel cards. I've seen a lot of them. What I didn't expect was that one trap... Because I commented about this when I was doing my demo of the game. There's a trap called Power Bind, Power Grip, Power Something. And Bailardrock, like, Doom King Bailardrock is on the... The traps artwork, because up I was surprised because up until that point, rush duel cards would reference like classic Yu-Gi-Oh monsters. Yeah, but there's also some modern and, ones. And in then there there's Bailardrock, and I'm like, yo. Yeah, you might see some of your favorite old cards in very different forms in rush duel. Yeah, I I really hope we get those um the jersey, uh Yu-Gi-Oh cards where they just have these these classic monsters wearing jerseys. Yeah, there's all kinds of things. Like it's it's really there's like a pot of greed turtle, I remember, like a tortoise. There's Diane Keto, the like sexy. Oh, you mean the baddie thing? <laughs> Diane like like Keto, the baddie. Yeah, it's a whole thing. So yeah, uh take a look at the at the uh, just give Russell a shot or tell someone to give it a shot or whatever. And if not, just go check out our video on it. Yeah. Yeah, watch our vid at least. Give us some positive engagement. Condos could use it. Um, okay. So that's Rush Duel, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Oh. I did have one thing because uh, people have been just dropping all information that I had no idea about. Uh-huh. Um, so when we looked at the demo, we saw that uh, like Dark Magic Attack is a Rush Duel card in Duel Links, but we didn't see Dark Magician. Well, that's because they are they're having a campaign on for the release of Yu-Gi-Oh Sevens in Duel Links. You can get a Dark Magician. A UR, a UR Dark Magician Rush version. So I guess there's going to be a like a, a Speed Duel Dark Magician and a Rush Duel Dark Magician, a UR Dream Ticket, SR Dream Ticket, a Skill Ticket, Character Unlock Ticket, Seven Gems, and Accessories. So even if you aren't really trying to play Rush Duels, um, I think we can all do with some more like Dream Tickets, huh? Like it's a pretty it's a pretty good resource in that game. Yeah. Um. So. But that was it. That was I, I had. I saw that no one just throw it out there. Yeah. So cool. Try it out. Okay. Next bit of Yu-Gi-Oh news is the OCG got a ban list. So I uh, didn't really know like too much. I I don't follow the OCG very closely. I really don't. So I don't have too much clue what this really means for it. Did they ban Maxi? Er, no. Oh. You know, yeah. that's, don't they know it's broken? So basically, um, so I'll go through this kind of quick, but 
this was kind of a list that seemed like it was aimed at hitting TR elements even more, since I know that it, despite having already been hit a good bit in the OCG, is still pretty strong. They ban Agito, uh, Kelbeck, Chaos Ruler, the Chaotic Magical oh, Dragon. I love seeing that go. And number 86, uh, Heroic Champion Rongo Minion. Rongo was, oh, I guess Rongo. Yeah, it was actually uh, legal in the OCG, but it's no longer. So, definitely some Ashizu cards getting hit there. Chaos Ruler, a card I'm not particularly fond of. Uh, although it getting forbidden doesn't change anything for me. I mean, maybe a little bit of Master will soon make me happy, but... Do you think Konami made a mistake with TR Elements? Or do you think this was by design? I think Konami did not make a mistake with TR Elements. I think that they made a mistake with the Ishizu cards. Oh. I think that TR Elements as an archetype is pretty interesting and like works as designed. Like I think it's fine. I don't find any of the monsters individually to be like super overpowered. I think just the Ishizu stuff just pushes it over the edge because it's just so much milling and then it adds elements of like disruption with like the shufflers and so. Uh, they limited TR Elements Kashtira from three to one, and Block Dragon went from two to one. Block Dragon could just be a zero. I don't know. I like, didn't know that Block Dragon was actually legal in the OCG. At well, they all. have Max C, so yeah, they have Max C. So know, I guess they Block like they Dragon at your at your own risk. Yeah, um, and then Semi Limited, they've got Rescue Ace Airlifter went from okay. three to two. Rescue Ace haven't done much in a TCG yet, so I can't speak on it. I mean, they've been picking up some some traction. I know that at that last YCS, they've been the last couple YCSs, they've been like. Sneaking in a few top spots. So. I know they've been creeping up, but they haven't made a big enough impact for me to read the cards yet. Soon. Pirelli Delicious Memory went to two. Rivalry of Warlords. Um, so it's a floodgate. Gearsu, the wait, wait, what did it do? Rivalry of Warlords went from three to two. These that's are all a, cards that are going to two. It's a weird hit. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's another floodgate. People aren't too fond of them, and maybe that particular one is more relevant right now for them. It's three to two is weird. Yeah, a little odd, huh? Yeah, it is. It feels because like it feels like the smallest of consistency hits. I mean, these these this whole list is like eerily similar to the master duel, like kind of approach to hitting things, shaving off consistency here and there, and that kind of thing. Oh, there are a lot of hits on it, so that's maybe not as master duel like. Girsu the Orcist Mech Knight went from one to two. Oh, that's nice. Supreme King Dragon Dark Worm went from one to two. Dragonic Diagram from 1 to 2, and Fluandries and the Magnificent Map from 1 to 2. Finally, they unlimited Armageddon Knight completely, Super Heavy Samurai Bike, Prank Kids Meow Meow Mew, and Trickstar Light Stage. So, they had Trickstar Light Stage limited? I thought it was limited in the TCG still. Or it is? is? It not? Oh, I didn't know. It was for a long time. I. It's kind of, Trickstar Light Stage falls into that category of cards where it's just like, a product of a time period, and then once it's been like, it goes in the list, and you kind of forget about it, and then when mm -hmm. it comes off, you don't even remember if it came off or not. I don't know if anybody else has that problem with like remembering cards, but like, it just happens to me with archetype specific stuff. You know what card that should have happened to, but we're gonna remember only because our ban list was so small. Hmm. Gazelle, I think Gazelle, oh, Gazelle. would have moved up to three if there had been had been a bigger list. Gazelle moving up to three would have been a very small footnote, and in two years we'd, we'd be wondering, did the Gazelle ever come back? Right. Are you talking about like our, our recent TCG list? Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, that recent TCG list was so small that I just feel like it. It, in a sense, I could almost still see myself just forgetting 
that this list happened, like this last TCG list. I mean, true. I mean, they didn't. It. I mean, we'll remember it for a rise heart. Rest in peace. Yeah, but anyway, so that's the list. Very large list. A lot of cards coming on, going off. I think this is a little bit more akin to what people probably want out of TCG lists. That's right. Rivalry to two. <laughs> yeah, that's what we want. <laughs> I mean, but it's, I think with TCG lists, people certainly do look for more, um, just more net changes. And that's what this list screams. It's just a lot of net changes. Four banned cards. Two, like, four banned cards. That's huge. Four banned cards. Two different limited cards. Like, eight. Eight or so different, like, semi-limited cards, and then, like, six six or seven things went, like, unlimited. It is a lot of, that is a lot it's of just, moving. It's very, and I think people like that. Like, I, I made a video about it before, but I really do believe that people enjoy that. Um, people almost care about these lists more so for just doing something than nothing. So you think they care more about, the more about the movement is more the movement is more important than what is actually moving right i would almost argue almost that it's kind of people are more concerned with quantity than quality almost hmm. but i think that obviously there is still a like people still want good what they deem to be good hits but i think that more than anything people just get excited at the idea that like hey this thing went to three this thing went to two this thing went to one this like and all these other cards went here and there because it just freshens up the meta and like uh Maybe not to go into too much of a tangent here, but That's I think all we do with in this uh, yeah, I think with modern Yu-Gi-Oh, you know, if you're a little bit annoyed with kind of just the general funk of modern Yu-Gi-Oh, try rush duels. Then, well, yeah, then I think ban lists offer a great way to um, kind of reset and they respark your interest, rekindle mm-hmm. your kind of competitive fire. So when they're small and it feels like nothing happened then your frustrations get to kind of creep back up and you're like, oh, but I'm yeah. still frustrated with that these floodgates. I'm still frustrated with these things. Understandably. So I wonder how many cards would need, would have need to move on our past ban list for people to say it was a good ban list. But this, this, is, this is the kicker. But, Arise heart does not get touched. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? Like, I feel like they'd have to have, like, hit, like, every other Kashdera card or something. Just put them all on one, maybe. Then. Oh, Lord. I mean, I do think that there's something to be said about, like, the fact that there's not, like, it's a, that's a, that question you asked is, like, a moving target. Mm-hmm. Because no one really even knows exactly what their ideal ban list is. Like, like they know what their ideal ban list is. But there isn't a community ideal ban list. Because there really can't be. Everyone's, like, kind of angry about a different kind of set of cards or annoyed with a different set of cards or some people think that it would be healthier if this thing happened. It's funny, when that list dropped, uh, I know we're supposed to be talking about the OCG list, but interesting list. That's all I can say about it. We're going to talk about the TCG one now. We're, yeah, we're back to talking about the <laughs> TCG ban list. It's two well, weeks ago, y'all. So I remember, though, like people were saying, uh, like there were people who were like mad that a Heart got banned. There were a few people who were like, what? Like, why did they ban this? Y'all Aww. complain too much. Like, Arise Heart's not that bad. And I'm like, that's so weird because I remember feeling like universally everyone thought Arise Heart should be banned. But then like it got banned and there were still people who didn't want it to be banned. the Arise Heart lovers just knew to be quiet in those situations. Right. They just weren't saying anything. And that's actually what I was going to say is that like you never, it's one of these tricky parts about like assessing community sentiment because the people that are okay with things 
will never be the people that complain about them. Mm-hmm. And so this is like a really key thing um, in like kind of community management and marketing is that there's kind of this saying of like, you know, like don't listen to the fans, which isn't meant to be taken literally like that you do not listen to the fans, but rather disable comments. Yeah. That's the Konami approach. Um, but rather that, you know, you kind of know one fans take is like necessarily the right or wrong one. They're just takes. And, you know, you can, you can hear that and go, well, no, they should like listen to all of us. Cause like, we're the ones who play the game and like, we're buying the cars and we're going to the events. So like, but there's millions other. of, but you. the thing is there's a lot of people who go to events. Like, I go to events and think this card should be banned. You go to events and think that card should be banned. No, what that's makes not true. I don't go to any events anymore. I was saying you as in the listener. Oh, okay. My the bad. proverbial my bad. listener, my the mini. Y'all. Y'all. Uh, it's just, I got the seven out. So it's like, what, you know, what makes my opinion more valid than, you know, your opinion? Like, there's nothing really. We're both just two Yu-Gi-Oh players. Um, you so, do have a platform. But it doesn't, but even that, like, even being a YouTuber, I don't think actually means I'm right, because I say some, what apparently people think is dog shit takes, so. That, that's true. We should rename this the Trash Taste Podcast. Trash, <laughs> trash takes, takes Trash podcast. Takes Podcast. Oh, I hope, that, I, hope um, I don't, like, violate some type of infringement there. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, so that's the thing. And so you take that problem, right? So, like, listener A, who is listening to this, thinks X should come unbanned, and I think it shouldn't, Right. Now you multiply that by the like tens of thousands of you know Yu-Gi-Oh players, and they all kind of have slightly different takes on things. So if you're Konami in that situation, who do you listen to? I don't know. Like who would you like? You're you're Konami, Alec. Who you listen to? Well, so I would do like group sampling. So I would get like a competitive player. I'd get a kind of middling player, and I'd get an extremely casual player. And the three of them would decide the ban list. Yeah, they just sit in a room. You lock them in there. Don't give them food or water. So like, come out with it'll be like Jesse Cotton. Mm -hmm. Um, to be you. Yeah, I'm a middle, just middle of the road. And um, oh, oh, and my best friend from middle school. He yeah. doesn't play Yu-Gi-Oh anymore, but we used to play back in middle school. <laughs> and then the three of us. Just and you, you guys will decide the ban list. Yeah, it's really interesting because um, I know like. Even just like even like I remember Jesse Cotton got a lot of heat actually back in the day for telling people to like get good with like the Mystic Mind thing, <laughs> where he was saying that like you know the cards like annoying but like you better plan for it and like if you if you're like if you can't beat it then like get good and people were, like I remember he got some heat for that and he's like literally respected as you know the goat of this game but All right, even, even but he, he wasn't is. the goat until this year yeah see that I guess back then maybe before. <laughs> you crazy you just don't get it and then beat me at locals you're last only week. a multi time YCS winner then how dare you <laughs> but like that's the thing I, I think like Yu-Gi-Oh is a hard game to to parse so even when you know you're listening to us on here we're just talking you know like you know we're just shooting the breeze our opinions don't mean much more than you and you guys that's why, like, when we, we read the I don't even know more. I think yeah, we know like, more. When we read the, well, it's a little bit more because we can delete your comments. But, um, oh, I guess that's <laughs> but when we, when we read your comments, that's about, that's the same thing as you listening to us and disagreeing with our takes. We, re, we read the comments and we disagree with you guys all the time. Just because, I mean, no one really has an advantage here. Yeah. Except we can delete your comments. Yeah. And, and I, I don't really even delete. I, I, I like Oh, I have. Wow. Monster. <laughs> 
I, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. So I know that kind of is a bit of a tangent, but it's one of those things where um, ban lists are tough, and I do not envy Konami's job because people are going to be kind of angry no matter what you do. So it's a. I don't. I think the um, the jury is still out on the whole. How do you balance a game? Yeah, especially a game that's supposed to be competitive, but it's also a game that has to sell and appeal to a like a wide, broad audience. How do you balance? It's so interesting, actually, because um, this is great. I didn't expect us to have much. There wasn't much Yu-Gi-Oh news, so this is good. It gives us something to talk about because I've got, you know, I got my opinions. So, um, I really have started to just the more I play Yu-Gi-Oh, play Master Duel, listen to he plays a lot the of internet. Yeah. Like I, you know, I really like to read comments. I get on Twitter. I, I drop a controversial take or two here and there. Gets people talking. Um, What's crazy is, y'all, those are just his honest thoughts, and they're always controversial. We don't get it. <laughs> they're mostly honest. Um, You're chaotic. You're just chaos. Oh, chaotic, yeah. And so I sit here, and, like, it's so it's kind of intriguing because I'll, li- I'll sit and I'll listen to people use these words like, this is unhealthy. And I've always kind of wondered, what, what does that mean, really? Like, someone else will like, this card is unhealthy for the game. But, like, by whose standard, really? And that's it's a crazy question because what makes a game healthy? Yeah, like what makes a game healthy and also like what gives anyone the right to claim? Like what accolades or like license do you really have to just get to say that this is unhealthy for you? Because that's a big statement, isn't it? Because like is a game healthy because like its top players are having a lot of fun and making a lot of money at their tournaments? Is a game healthy because its its products keep selling out? They fly off the shelves. Everyone's buying them, buying them, buying them. Yeah. Is a game healthy because like the the shops are just just full of Yu Gi Oh product and they can't get enough of the stuff? Yeah. Like there's so many different ways to define it, and so I'll hear people say these things like, um, you know, Dimension Shifter is an unhealthy card, right? That's a fun controversial one. You know, have at it in the comments, right? But say Dimension Shifter. It's a three. A lot of people don't like it. Or at least it seems like a lot of people don't like it. If you were to read comments from, you know, your average kind of hardcore Yu-Gi-Oh person on, you know, Twitter or maybe like Facebook or YouTube comments, you might get the impression that, you know, everyone seems to hate Dimension Shifter, right? That's, that's It seems true. like it's, everyone it hates it. seems they all do hate it. But then a lot like the Arise Heart example from before... If Dimension Shifter were to get banned, there'd be a lot of people who'd be like, yay, that's great. Then there'd be people who were like, why did Konami ban this? They didn't need to ban this. You guys complain too much. Because the thing is, the people who maybe like Dimension Shifter are not defending it or like you say, like shouting its praises because they just... They're busy playing They're it. busy playing <laughs> it. They're happy that it exists and they're fine with it and they don't see an issue. And so someone's going to... So the typical comment that you'd maybe read in that situation would be something along the lines of, well, you know... Those people who like it are just, they're just playing it because it wins. Well, true. Or they're just, um, they don't have any skill. Well, that's not what we're actually talking about, though, is it? So it's kind of like, there are these cards that you, you can say things like unhealthy, but if people are playing the game, you goes alive, and tournaments seem to be breaking a lot of records. These YCSs are selling out. and So I just, that's a, the question, food for thought for the day, is like, what is actually like a healthy card game? Is it just because, you know, you say a card's unhealthy or feels like it is to you personally? Does that actually mean that it is or just that you think it is? 
And what makes your opinion more valid than the person at Locals who enjoys Dimension Shifter or D-Barrier? And to be clear in all of this, I'm not saying I think that the cards are like, you know, one way or another, I'm, eh. I have, I, have, I have a take, Paul. Let's hear it. I think I know what the healthiest Yu-Gi-Oh cards are. What are the healthiest ones? And like, guys, I'm going to say this and you won't be surprised, but you're not thinking it right now. It's Dark Magician and Blue Eyes. <laughs> do you know why? Right. Do you know why they're the most healthiest? Why is that? They sell the most product. Yeah, there's that's a, that's an interesting take actually. So what you would say is that because those are the cards that move the most, you know, units off shelves is when like a Dark Magician or a Blue Eyes is on something. Mm-hmm. Those are like healthy cards, the healthiest yeah. cards in the game. And someone say, well, that's not the same thing. You're just talking about like moving products, and that's a, I'm talking about game balance. But who said that? Like you know, game balance. Was was the priority here? Game balance is actually does the, accounts for so few sales in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, because like game balance doesn't matter if Yu Gi Oh is not selling because then Yu Gi Oh will just like die if it's not selling, right? Correct. So yeah. game balance isn't actually indicative of the health of the game. It's it's kind of crazy. Yeah, but or it's at least not. you know, I mean, I guess you could define the metric as like if we're measuring simply within the scope of game balance then Dark Magician and Blue Eyes aren't relevant to that conversation. But still, I think we find ourselves with the same problem of, like, that's, so even if we're talking game balance, that still doesn't, like, that doesn't answer, like, the dimension shifter, D-barrier thing, Well, right? I, can, I can actually stretch my argument into that. I could argue the game is unhealthy because Dark Magician and Blue Eyes are not competitive, and if those are the drivers oh, of product sales... People are getting these cards and building these decks, and then they don't, they're not competitive. They can't actually get into Yu Gi Oh with them. I say the game's unhealthy. Yeah. So it's an interesting thing. Like, I, I'm very curious. Um, I guess to, to kind of circle back on something I was saying earlier, it's why I've been finding so much more joy lately in kind of people who follow, like, you know, the APS Twitter, Facebook, whatever. I love, I just, something about getting people talking is so fun for me. Because like I want I want people to really like kind of be like be critical on your thoughts on things. Like think about what you're thinking about. Does that you know what I mean? But there's a character limit on Twitter, Paul. Oh yeah, that does suck, doesn't it? Makes it a little hard to talk about things when you're limited to any characters. You just got X premium, you don't have a character limit. Are we shilling for Twitter now too? No, but um so my thing is just like it's fun to kind of posit these questions, and I love reading. I the mean, res- X, my bad, X, X. I love to read the responses because it's just like you you'll get people who are so they staunchly believe that they are right about it. They they very staunchly believe that. And, I'm right. You know, like, and just like you know, you're the idiot, Paul, or or it might not even be me that they're like attacking. They might be attacking I'm, some I'm sure other person. I'll get attacked in the comments. Yeah, and then I'll delete them. Wow. Yeah, no, it's just, it's interesting to see, though, like, people get, I guess, very, like, like, you're wrong, Paul, this, like, one thing, I, I remember I posted some take the other day uh, about, like, why I think, like, the crazy floodgates and blowouts kind of make the game, like, random and exciting and chaotic, and I never actually anywhere in my tweet said, and I was very careful to, like, word it this way, I never actually said that I think that, like, they shouldn't be banned, or that I think that, you know, they are enjoyable to play against when you're at the tournament table. I just said that they have a place in the game because they make things chaotic and unpredictable. 
And so some people took that to mean like I was defending them and saying that like they, they're all great cards. Or some people said, you know, that, that there's so many people that were like angry. And then some people were like defending me. And then some people, and there was like a bunch of conversations. And I was just enjoying the show because I'm like, that's great. People are now finally, you know, taking some time to really like reflect on what it is that like they think this game ought to be or ought not to be. And like, that's a nice way to like frame all the like flaming that was going on in that uh, in the replies down there. A little bit, yeah. Some players hate each other. Yeah, sometimes we, and people get pretty mad at each other <laughs> with this stuff, and sometimes they get like sarcastic and rude to each other. It's really weird. Like, I don't know. Why. I don't know. I mean, like it just like we all play the game. We might as well like have some fun talking about it. I don't think you have to insult anybody. I just try to uh, get people talking. The um ah, oh, I just lost. I got plenty oh, more. That actually reminded me of um, the kind of the tinfoil hat theory. That's it's floated around Yu Gi Oh for a while. That you know, Konami designs archetypes and cards to one day be banned. Like they specifically have, they have like quotas of powerful cards. Or oh, do people think crazy? That? Yeah, interesting. That like that they they have to make these they make these meta defining cards. Whether and they know that they'll have to hit them one day, hmm. and that's fine because by the time they're ready to hit these cards to one or zero, the next like, be like crazy thing is right around the corner. Ready to ship out. I mean, do you think that's true? I think there is. There's probably some of that in product design because I I remember um, like Chicken Game. Chicken Game is a card that really felt like it just shouldn't have had. It shouldn't have existed. It just it it so easily got abused and it felt like it was around just long enough for to get people riled up it got hit and then we we moved on and at least for me my the next thing I, I was on was Mystic Mind cuz I was yeah. like oh look this is like chicken game 2.0 what is this you crazy card Well sorry were you friends with the with your thoughts Just about so I have a take on that too. Now that you mention it, um, somebody commented like the other week. They were saying um, that, like, I think we were talking about the ban list, maybe, and somebody commented like, "Well, Paul, you said in this previous podcast that we should never be happy that a card got, um, like, that an archetype had to get its card banned or something like that." Ooh, you a hypocrite. Which is, uh, yeah, that is something I'd said. And so I remember I was thinking about what this person said in the comment, and like, I think they were right. And it made me sort of think that maybe the real issue that I have with cards ever kind of having to get banned, it's kind of like, we really shouldn't be having to ban cards in 2023. Allow me to explain my stance. So, I'm not saying that there aren't cards that exist right now that should not be banned, right? Like, if they want to turn around tomorrow and ban Eradicator, I'm not, you know, fine, whatever, do what you want. But I'm just saying that no card designed in the modern age of Yu-Gi-Oh! should be banned because this is a mature game. Right. So you would think that, like, you know, 20, 25 years in, Konami, they shouldn't... Because like, your theory reminded me of this. Like, if they're making... They must be... Must be. I'm putting on my tinfoil hat here. I'm not actually, you know... We're going to start having a tinfoil hat to put on. Yeah, this is like the tinfoil hat episode. So... If there are cards in 2023, a game that's like 25 years old, or about 20 years old in terms of like, you know, just the TCG card it's design. Tw- it's the quarter century anniversary. Don't let me forget. I would have otherwise. Um, you know, Konami's, like, they've made their mistakes, 
right? Like, like we've kind of gone through the growing pains. We've seen what happens when you make things like Zodiac, Dryadent, or whatever in the past, or the Dragon Rulers. So you think that car design from a certain point would just be so informed and so based on experience and, like, you know, repetition that there shouldn't, like, an Arise Heart should never have happened because they should have known very early on in R&D, okay, this just isn't okay, right? 3K, 3K, banish everything and can also selectively banish and keeps gaining materials. Out of hand. That, that, should have, that should have been a very clear red flag. Like, there's no way that could have made it past testing unless. You know what I mean? Like, like where it's yeah, just like. There's, there's unless, the theory again. Unless there just was an intentional design. Like, we have kind of a quota. Like, we've got to make sure that this deck performs as as intended at the tournament level for whatever reason. Like, if you because, look at everything else that was in Cash Tira, it's like that Arise Heart wasn't the cherry on top. It was like a massive second cake on top of like the hugely decadent thing that was Kashtira. Yeah, like it's kind of interesting. I think Kashtira as an archetype alone is annoying, but not like unbeatable by any means, right? I think that there, because Darkest Diablos is what I would maybe describe as an accidental uh, sort of synergy with Kashtira. So we can write that off as like it actually was an unintentional part of design. Darkest Diablos is designed like a billion. That's a different thing. Diablos, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like I was I'm like, wait, Darkest who? Diablos. Yeah, sorry, I'm not talking about Darkest Diablos. So I'm going Diablosis the That's Mind it. Hacker. Mind Hacker. Yeah, my bad. Um, Diablosis the Mind Hacker was designed like years before, and it was its own thing, and it was like a prize card or whatever. So like, it was not designed around Kashira, unless we really put our tinfoil hats on. I, I, it was like we designed like too many six, similarities. Years ago. But anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that the interaction between like Shangri Era and um, diablosis is kind of unintentional it seems it just happens to be like kind of busted and it can zone lock so banning that cool makes sense but arise heart was designed presumably just a- alongside the rest of the cash cards and that's one where like i can't really shake the thought that they just went overboard on purpose knowing that we're gonna force this deck to be very powerful in tournament and i think cash without arise heart would have actually still been a tournament threat like it'd be up there but then they add they, they're like okay but like this isn't this isn't enough like we need to make a card that just right and so that's kind of where arise heart was born is mm-hmm. of this need to make sure that this deck has an extremely powerful thing and we accept that it is going to probably have to get banned but that will come later because i mean it's very telling that um People shifted to the Arise Heart Control strategy, and it, and it, it they sh- it was a pivot in direction for the deck, but that strategy had a very had a different set of merits, pros and cons. Mm-hmm. It's like that's weird, right? You're typically an archetype shouldn't be able to just hard pivot into another really strong thing. strategy. Yeah, I mean, I think that just, it speaks more to the fact that Diablosis was kind of just the mistaken con- happy convenience thing that but was like, more broken because it literally could just lock up zones. But like, but it was synergistic. It was as Diablosis seems like a card that was designed with Kashtira more so than Arise Heart. You know, that actually could be, you could say that's true too. You and I think, the real I think, boss monster. well, I think Kashtira was designed around Diablosis. Maybe that's the... Could very well be. Because even though Diablosis was like a prize card from whatever year, 
several years before Castera might have even been conceived. I think that when they designed Castera, they probably looked at Diabolosis and said, oh, we could create some synergy here. So maybe there's that's a, that could be a layer to it. What do you guys think? Like, and by the way, we're just talking here. What do yeah, I know? Yeah, we're just chatting, man. Yeah, like, what do I know? I'm, hey, hey, listen, I'm not. I don't work at Konami R and D. Nobody's told us anything. Yeah, and that's just true. Like, I have not actually heard anything. I'm just. So, do you guys feel like was Castera designed around Diablosis? If so, I mean, that's that's cool. I don't know. It's there's like, just all kinds of things. There are there are implications of whatever the truth of this is. We we'll probably never know the answer. And the implications are that decks that we currently play with and decks that will come out in the future may have cards that were, in a weird way, developed to be banned. Because, I mean, yeah. there was nowhere to put a Rise Heart, right? I mean, they tried to limit it. When that, it just didn't do anything. It just didn't, it didn't do It didn't like, do enough, at least. It fe- and it feels like a Rise Heart was designed for this eventual fate. Yeah, it feels like it was just, there was no, it was an inevitability. And I, won- I wonder... Like when's the next? What's the next? I feel like to be clear, I I don't feel like any cards in our meta game right now. Yeah, nothing feels like it like, fits the bill now. Yeah, that's like oh, this is so powerful and so just out of left field. It needs to be banned. I think our current meta decks will they can use some limiting, you know, limit a card yeah. here or there. But I don't think anything just nothing needs to feels be like gone. Is, just right. Cow. Although I will say this, one last thought on this. How about Pearly, huh? I was going to talk about yeah. Pearly. So, because we haven't, you know, Pearly's been a master duel, so I've been more exposed to it lately. Konami does have this thing. You can tell. So, you guys, as you guys know with Pirelli, I'm not saying, I don't think Pirelli is the best, like, deck in the TGG right now. I don't think anyone's saying that. But it's one of the top, you know, contenders. And the main thing that's kind of curious to me is that none of the, like, quick play spells have, like, once per turn clauses. And also, um, the main monster, Pirelli. It's a little white one. The, little white, the white cat just doesn't... It's a cat? Have, uh, it's an Eevee. Okay. Whatever we want to call that. What's um, Eevee? So the main monster, Pirelli, um, you know, it doesn't have like a once return on its effects. And so it's just kind of interesting that the last time I remember Konami explicitly designing an archetype to not have hard ones per turns when everything else at the time did was like Sky Striker. And so it almost feels like it can't have been an accident that they didn't print a hard ones per turn effect on any of these cards. So it kind of feels like maybe that was kind of their way of being like, yeah, we're just going to make sure this deck can do a little, like can do its thing. It can, it can do a little bit more than the average deck. So just, uh, just a thought. I don't know. I mean, I don't, by the way, I'm not like a Pirelli hater. I'm not saying that they should ban all the cards. I'm just, you know, just something to think about. Like yeah, when Konami does know, suspiciously. Paul's a Maxi apologist, not a Pirelli hater. That's right. That's true. Uh, so, you know, whenever Konami kind of suspiciously, will just make one random archetype, just not have hard ones returned. It's like, hmm, what were they cooking? So, yeah. Okay. I guess that's probably enough ban list. Yeah. Ranting. Yeah, well, as we, as we like dip into all sorts of different Yu-Gi-Oh topics. Yeah. Hey, listen. I think that's why people come to this podcast because like if, if you're here, you got to strap in for the ride. We're gonna. We're just gonna go. We're gonna go. We'll start talking and we're gonna go. It's funny. Like I know people aren't gonna believe this. This is like the tip of the iceberg of like what we talk about off camera with Yu-Gi-Oh. We just I, I have all I you know. Yeah. Alec, he knows. I, I just sit here and like 
think and think and and he, and, he br- lives and breathes this game, yo. And, then, and and one okay, one last thing because that does remind me, like like I, like we were saying, like all of this is just I'm just entertaining different arguments. That's all. That's true. Like not like to me, like no matter what happens tomorrow, I'm still gonna be playing Yu Gi Oh. So like it'll be fine either way. It's just I'm entertaining the idea that maybe this is a healthy card, or the idea that maybe that's a healthy card, or the idea that like you could view it that way or this way, or like so because stuff like that's more exciting to me than really actually being angry at the cards themselves. It's just more like hmm, I wonder like why they designed it this way, like what is its role and so. Okay, uh, is there any other Yu Gi Oh news? Ah. Uh- I can't think of anything. No. Yeah, there's some small stuff, I think. Uh, oh, you showed... There were some, like, OCG plush things. Yeah, they made some a Magic Karibo plush and a Blue Eyes that goes along with it. So that's some OCG products. Those look cute. I'm going to get them. I wonder if we'll get them in the same way we got the Rescue Rabbits. Extremely limited quantities. Oh, I doubt it. Can I just see, like, bring anything over here? I saw some leaks from Phantom Nightmare. Um, that's the, the kind of upcoming set. I know they showed like a Sacred Beast card. Is that um, just the GX set? Because I know we're getting Ubel in that Yeah, Ubel supports in there. It seems like it's kind of just a GX sort of centric thing. Um, not too much beyond that, I guess. Uh, they showed a new playmat for the Rarity Collection. It's got Eldritch sitting on his, sitting on his throne of bodies or whatever it is. Why they had to do Eldritch like that? You don't like the Eldritch alt art? I don't. You like his original art? I always yep. thought his original art was kind of like, he looks like Karaz the Light Monarch. He's just kind of... He, it eh. does have that look, but it, I don't know, this, it, it pro, to me, it projects like strength. Oh, you feel like... So the other one, so I like the alt art more because I feel like it reminds me of, um, what is the Monarch? Uh, Eidos or... Which, which Monarch? The, the, the well, large Erebus? dark... Erebus. Like where they're kind of like, they're, he's sitting on a throne, he looks bored... Which to me kind of almost suggests like he's so rich and he's so powerful. He just he's over all of this. Yeah, but no one's looting Erebus. Wait, do they loot? Uh, yes. Oh, they loot. Yes, they do. Eldritch. Yes. I didn't know they did that. Yes, I, I they mean, I saw do. that one meme where it was like the. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't. I, I like his alternate art. I think it's nice. They weren't looting Eldritch before then. Well, maybe some people were, but not many. So now they're looting him, and uh, now now you can have a whole playmat, uh, Eldritch centerfold. <laughs> so yeah, I saw they're doing a rarity collection launch event, which I think is a good thing. It seems like it's gonna kind of be the big set of the year to kind of cap it off. So a launch event sounds like a good call. I don't think that's any. There's any. It's other like the perfect there. capstone to the quarter century anniversary. Except that half the products continue into next year anyway. <laughs> so it's kind of <laughs> a little desynchronized. Don't know exactly what this anniversary is, but. It's the 25th, I just told you. Well, how about we celebrate some other nostalgia with Pokemon TCG Classic? Where? Have you heard about this? Well, I would give it to you, but it's not quite out yet. However, the pre orders have sold out. So, Pokemon TCG Classic is an eye watering $400 set. It's already sold out. $400. So yeah, um, this is a premium Pokemon TCG Classic set that was announced earlier this year. Um, it says it offers something that looks like it might be suitable for the game's more adult audience. You'll certainly need to be an adult to afford it, though, as it's now up for pre-order on the Pokemon Center website at I'm, a ridiculous price of $400. I'm very certain there's some rich children out there that can go get them a $400 uh, set of cards. 
Well, listen, here's what you get. You uh, get not me. I, I I didn't have 400 to burn. So you get um, seven new cards, including Ho-Oh EX, Lugia EX, Suicune EX, Drops in the Ocean, Scorching Charcoal, Sunseed, and a Mr. Mine card. Oh, that's Mr. cool. Some so. new exclusive cards. Yeah, there are also three 60-card decks that feature the classic starters of Venusaur, Charizard, and Blastoise. All presented with art from the original release. Charizard is the only one that matters. Well, I guess people like Blastoise. You'll also too. find three deck boxes to store them in. Okay. Alongside three sets of cards. Are sleeves. the are the um are the deck boxes made of gold? Good question. The most exclusive elements are a two player game board, a toolbox case with a randomizer. I don't know what that means. I think for maybe like doing dice stuff or like anytime there's like a tax, I don't know. A couple of sets of damage counter cones and a couple of sets of condition markers. Oh, so all of that is made of gold. Must be. <laughs> this is four hundred bucks. So you can pre-order this thing. I don't understand where the fucking price is coming from. Like, is it made of like mahogany? Like, what? I is there? Pi- are there pictures? Do we know what this looks like? Um, I mean, no. Like, I mean, they're just like pictures of the product, but like, like you're not getting. Is the gold Gucci stuff. logo? All, like, is it? Uh, yeah. So our editor, uh, they actually told me about this uh, a couple weeks back because, like, you know, they follow Pokemon news. I listen. Wow. I just, I just, I don't. Four hundred bucks? Like, what are you? Because I mean, it's three. So, thing you're getting three sixty card decks. So, if we kind of equate that to maybe a Yu Gi Oh starter deck or something, it'd be like twelve bucks. And then I guess you get deck boxes and sleeves. Right. I don't. I just, I'm trying to find where the four hundred dollar tag comes from. I mean, there are seven like new cards, but they're promos. So, like, but I don't like, know that that would. If be... they're good, then that's pay to win, right? Like, maybe you would think. But I've left out the best detail. There's also a disclaimer that, quote, cards included in Pokemon TCG Classic cannot be used at official tournaments, except for the basic energy cards. So keep that in mind. So what's the point? What? Seven new cards that are not even you. Why did you even make new cards then? Well, the cards in the decks aren't usable. Nothing is. But like, except the energies. What's the point of having cards you can't play again? I'm. I'm I feel like we've we've had this discussion before. This, this gives big Magic Thirty vibes. Yeah, this gives that. big Magic Thirty vibes. Like of just you know, like just we're trying to we're strictly selling you nostalgia, and you can't even play that shit in a tournament. It's, it's kind of crazy. Now you can, I guess you can use the the lands, but why can't you use the rest? Why, if you can, no, I said lands. Come to the magic. If you can use the energy cards, why can't you use the rest? Like, what's so crazy here? That's what I don't understand. Is it because are they? I think maybe it's because the, the classic cards are like old. Like they're they're actually remakes of the old cards, so maybe that the power creep wouldn't. Allow it, or maybe they're using mechanics that like they used back. Oh, in. I hadn't thought about I that. I mean, that, that's my only guess. If that's someone true, po- po- like power creep is crazy in Pokemon. But I'm still, though, would they not still just be allowed? Because they, maybe they suck. mean that the cards won't be in like rotation. Okay. If somebody in the comments who like follows TCG kind of gameplay, Pokemon TCG gameplay, could inform us, I would really like to know what is like. Please quantify the value for me here. In, in this $400 set. Because while, yes, it's not a $1,000 Magic 30 scam, 
it's still like I just I'm not really sure what the sales pitch here is. And again, collecting Pokemon cards is like is way bigger than playing the Pokemon TCG. So maybe it's fine if you can't play them. Yeah, maybe it is. I still don't get the price though. Like that still feels kind of like price setting. I mean, it's definitely price setting. I'd like to see, but I, I guess I was withhold some judgment. I haven't seen what the product looks like because if it looks like it's worth four hundred, maybe I can come around on it. Yeah, I would like to. Uh, I'd like to know more just about it. I mean, like, because one fifty one is something I wanted to kind of buy a little bit of, but those cards are actually playable and it still are they're reasonably. You owe me one fifty one cards. Why? I held a box the other day. Wow. Um. So. Yeah. Please, please, someone, please make it make sense. Uh. Let's see. Is there anything else about that? I mean, I guess maybe they're just trying to like it's like a, a Christmas gift thing. I think it comes out in November. A four hundred dollar Christmas gift. But you know, someone will. Do that. I don't like anybody that much. It's supposed to be a similar uh, product release in February of next year that I think is like a different version of it or something that everybody can buy. But these are like pre order currently. Actually, reminds me of my next story. So, yeah, I, I was in this by saying I don't understand the value, but if somebody can explain it to me, until then, I'm going to call out all of these game companies when they do weird things like this. Because Facts. to me, this is this feels not much different than Platinum Dark Magician or Magic 30. I think that they're all bizarre, nostalgia, pandering, like overpriced Price products. setting BS. So, um, until proven otherwise. Yeah. So, that actually reminded me of my next story. Um... Because you said, uh, like, holiday gift type deal. Right. So, Magic is actually showing off new Lord of the Rings cards. New? Yeah, and Jurassic Park cards. Oh, okay. So, they're having, as part of their, like, holiday um, kind of set releases, they have a holiday set that's based on Lord of the Rings. This was uh, revealed during uh, MagicCon Vegas. They have... The Lord of the Rings, Tales of Middle-Earth, Holiday Scene Box, and other related products. Preview car- they preview cards from their last Caverns of Ixalan. I can't pronounce magic words. Uh, and they even teased their secret layer releases for Doctor Who and The Princess Bride. Now, I know you don't know what either of those two things are, Paul. Only vaguely. But I... Also, don't know. I've done. I've never <laughs> watched Doctor Who. I I know there's something about like um, doctors and therapists, and uh, and there's supposed to be a lot of them, and one of them's black now. I I don't get it, but I know a lot of people do. So y'all can just tell us in the comments what Wait, Doctor Who black is. Black now, not like black Aragorn controversy type black, but like black in the. I, I couldn't tell you. Okay. I, I, I have like scant bits of Twitter knowledge when it comes to Doctor Who, and they're very scant. But the comments will tell us, and the ones I don't like, I'll delete. Um, but yeah, uh, The Princess Bride was a movie that Alex watched, and he really liked, and I never watched it because he watched it. So that's just how it is. If he does something, I can't do it. But once again, Magic's doing more collabs, and seemingly they're what we thought was a limited collab, like the Lord of the Rings like collaboration. It has extended to this holiday season. That also means that essentially any Magic the Gathering collaboration they've done could just happen again. I mean, we were talking about My Little Pony last week. That was their second My Little Pony collaboration. Well, but it had new cards at least. Yeah, new cards. But that means that once Magic has done something, they may very well just... Yeah, it can be sequelized. 
So something that I actually read in the comments last week, shout out to all of you guys who left it, um, was that apparently for some Magic players at least, so the way that, you know, last week when we were talking about the My Little Pony collab, I was saying how, like, it's cool that Magic gets all these collabs, which I do still believe, but some but people did give me an alternative perspective that I'm kind of coming around to, which is that they don't actually like all the collabs because they feel like it sort of dilutes the, the Magic-like just brand because they'll collab with anyone and can kind of, like, cheapen the effect. Oh. And they're also complaining about how, you know, like, sometimes... I don't know if complaining is a strong word. They were expressing dissatisfaction with the fact that sometimes the collabs kind of get in the way of other product releases or... My understanding is that Wizards releases a stupid amount of products, though. Like That's its own, con- that's its own like, kind of like issue people have no. with Wizards. So it was kind of interesting because people did a good job of explaining it to me. And I think that I do now have a bit of a different stance on it where, like, the collabs are cool, but I see how they might kind of make the identity of Magic be a little bit all over the place. Right. And so I remembered um, the professor, Tolarian Community College, had made a video actually about this back when Lorcana released. And it was an interesting thing that he said. So he was saying, it was like a video about like, is Lorcana going to kill Magic? This is like when it was first announced. Is Magic dead? And his answer to the question was, no, obviously it's not going to kill Magic. Oh, okay. I and mean, Magic is nothing to really be worried about. But that he, what, he said the bigger concern in that video that he mentioned was that people mistook these Lorcana cards for Magic cards. And that well, it might seem like, okay, so what? Oh, they, the people might think they're like a secret layer. Because people something. might think it's just some one of Magic's mini collabs or whatever. And so then he went on to kind of explain how because Magic does so many wild collabs, and oftentimes in those collabs they will change the card frame and border and like textile mm-hmm. and everything and fonts, to kind of accommodate that collab, it can actually make it seem like magic is being stripped of its identity. Being stripped of some of its identity. So I thought that was just an interesting, just an interesting perspective. I don't know. I, I I'm not. I as somebody who does not play the game, I guess I don't have any strong ties to like it's. You know, like I don't like magic needs to stay. Nah, like what, pure, nah, nah, but, Paul. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. I I feel very strongly about this. Magic players. Look at me. Don't look at him. Look at me. Look at me. Locked in here. Do not let them strip your game of its identity and its culture. Because we did that in Yu-Gi-Oh. My creepy, dark fantasy card game turned into a high-powered mecha waifu fest with dragons. (laughs) Like, if if there's anything you guys can do... Please stop them. Don't let them take the identity of your game because in a few years it'll be unrecognizable and you either roll with it or you just play GOAT format. Alec is just bitter that he lost his... Uh, I liked creepy, creepy Yu-Gi-Oh! Cards. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't play Magic, so can't really weigh in too much. I will say, though, that I, I get kind of where someone might be dissatisfied with that. I mean, I think that some... And it's subjective, of course. But I think that some collabs are a better fit for Magic than others. Like, My Little Pony feels so, like, left field. And, like, and even Jurassic Park. I mean... But then, like, Lord of the Rings felt like a pretty natural fit. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like if we did some, like, market research, you might find that there's actually quite a few Magic players who fall in to, like, the brony category. Sure, I don't have the market research in like, front of me. I don't. Ha- we haven't done the research, but um, 
like I remember going I was in community college when like the brony epidemic really took off. I guess it was like yeah, it was the, I'd call it an epidemic. It was Maybe it was a pandemic. Regardless, the Brony thing kind of took off. Maybe it was a and, pandemic. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. And um, I was in the card game space at my community college. And, I mean, at one point, pretty much everybody I played card games with was a Brony. Were you a Brony? No. Come on, man. Well, you come, said you, everybody. So no, you make come it sound on, like man. Surely you would have tried. No. I've, I, to this day, I have yet to see an episode of My Little Pony. Uh, but... That's not for the lack of them trying to convert me. Well, I'm going to say is um, I, I read those comments and they were enlightening. So as for these Christmas magic products, you're going to be picking any up? Do any of these like franchises? So I believe there will be more Aragorn cards. And so you, I, I will have to pick up as many copies of black Aragorn as I can. Will he even be black again? I wonder. I, th- I think Oh, th- there was a picture. So I know. Oh yeah, okay. there was a picture. So I was gonna yeah, say I wouldn't right, have been surprised right. if like post controversy they walked it back. That'd be that'd be so wild. Now companies do that shit. Do you remember the story about uh, when Target like came under fire for like the LGBT stuff and during Pride Month they had like LGBT shirts out like in the front of stores. Oh, I remember that. And then they and, like, they took everything. And to someone the back. got like violent about it because they didn't like that. You know, how dare you have these Pride shirts in front of the store? Um, and so someone was like harassing or even attacking employees. And so they moved all the LGBT stuff to the back of the store. But then in doing so, that kind of signals that maybe you really weren't about it the whole time. Guys, corporate allyship is a joke. It is not real. Yeah, I would say that's probably the biggest takeaway is that none of these corporations really care that much for any particular cause beyond getting your money. The only color they care about is green. But, um, yeah, so, you know, I, I, I don't. I don't mind that magic gets collabs, but I am not so vested in it that I really deserve to have much more of an opinion than that. Protect your game. Protect its culture. He says as he got the black Aragorn. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Hey, look. I'm having I a laugh. Just have having a laugh. never claimed I'm not just, a walking contradiction. Just having a laugh. And a hypocrite. A no, I'm a hypocrite every day. I think that's... Protect your game. That's how it goes. Okay, so... Um, well, I've got another... Interesting card game story. What you got? I close my stories. Um, Final Fantasy VII Remake is getting a card it, game. A trading card game. A card and it's a, it's a, a Gwent. I think it's going to be in Final Fantasy VII Remake. No. Um, it's like getting a card game adaptation. Like a tabletop game. So the tabletop game is officially called Final Fantasy... <laughs> the uh, table- keep going. I'm- Final Fantasy VII Remake board game Materia Hunter. And is available for pre-order on the official Square Enix website. The title will have people playing against up to three other players as the members of Avalanche. The website showed screenshots of the cards for Cloud Strife, Tifa Lockhart, Aerith, and Yuffie, while also highlighting the Materia cards of the title. The players must compete to collect the most Materia using abilities of the iconic characters. Each game could take about 30 minutes depending on how many people play. So, as resident Final Fantasy VII expert is in the building, Alec, what do you think about this trading card game and everything else about it? Yeah, I got. I have so much to say. I'm, I'm trying to pick it all apart. First off, I've never seen like can't 
Can we relax with Final Fantasy VII Square? Is it even remotely possible to acknowledge something else you have done other than Final Fantasy VII? Ooh, My God. Like, the thing is, I love Final Fantasy VII. I'm one of those people who, who call it one, like, one of the best Final Fantasies of all time. However, haven't we done enough? Like, yeah, I think that Square really, really milks the Final Fantasy VII thing, but I think they... It's just because it, it ended up, I think, stumbling into being their most iconic game. Like, I don't know that they viewed Final Fantasy VII as, like, their magnum opus when they were making it or something. There's no way, because it wasn't that, the best when it was released. But, like, post, you know, it's in the really, like, 10, 15 years after kind of its release, Sephiroth, the most iconic video game villain, some would argue it's other characters, but like, I would say it's like Sephiroth. Cloud's kind of the iconic twink protagonist. Like, Blonde hair, huge it, sword anime. It was a great game. Mm-hmm. And I played Remake. I enjoyed Remake. However, we don't we don't need Final Fantasy VII everything. This could have been a Final Fantasy card game. And I actually would have met it with the same uh, criticism that I'm going to start with here. Um... Stop turning every IP into a card game. We don't need it. It's unnecessary. It'll it'll be dead on arrival, or if it's not dead on arrival, it muscles some other poor card game out of the space. And for what? For something that you're probably not even going to properly support. Something that won't get a like organized tournament circuit. Like, yeah, it's just it's just to fill. It's just to try and like milk this whole like TCG craze that if you haven't noticed is already dying down. It really is. I okay. So 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 two thoughts on that. First one being, there is a lot of Final Fantasy VII just stuff out now. I know last Mm -hmm. year they made the first Soldier. That was like the mobile shooter game that ended. I think didn't they? they, Yes, it did. The plug on that. I know they just released Ever Crisis. I'm playing that. I know that they remade Crisis Core, like kind of remastered that thing. And then they recently announced when Rebirth, the second part in the three-part Final Fantasy VII I'll remake be playing series, that. will be coming out. So, like, there's a lot of Final Fantasy VII stuff to sink your teeth into if you were, like, a fan of that. And it's good, but I think that this is probably just... No, no, I'm not going to cheer for its downfall. Oh, and now another thing. What do you mean, Materia Hunter? Like, only Yuffie was obsessed with Materia. That was like kind of her thing. You didn't play that much. You didn't really play Final Fantasy VII, but that was like one of her big things. Was she loved Materia, loved collecting it. But the rest of them, Materia was a tool. Like he, Cloud just put it in his sword. This is there. Yeah, well, listen, you're about to be Materia hunting when you play this game on your table according Look, why to the official would I... page for the title there are 20 characters cards to use 80 materia spread across multiple types metal tokens and more the game is scheduled for an april 2024 release but gamers can now pre-order the title the release date means the card game will be released after the arrival of final fantasy 7 rebirth the sequel to the first remake title so Okay, well, that answer wasn't one of my questions. I was like, how are you making a game where you play as members of Avalanche, but you don't mention Barrett, who is the leader of Avalanche? Yeah, it's racist. But. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm sure he'll be in the game. And then, but they how do you have out. 20 characters when there aren't 20 members of Avalanche? Well, 
you know, for some reason, Sephiroth's going to be a card. Like, what, is Biggs and Wedge going to be characters? That's going to be underwhelming. They probably will be characters. Now, Jessie can be a character because now she's really popular, but, yeah. like... I, I mean... But that doesn't change the fact that I don't like all these new card games. So, that actually leads me to my second kind of major thing on this. Isn't there already a Final Fantasy card game? Yes, there, there is. is. I see it at our card shop. They, yeah, they, it's there. there. No Final one plays Fantasy it. Like card game. I don't think anyone really plays it. Maybe it's like a cool collector's thing. So, where does this stand in relation to that? Like, are they going to be ending that? No, because Final Fantasy VII is its own monolith separate from Final Fantasy. Yeah, and that's what I'm, I think has become the ultimate square thing is that, like, the seven games are their own thing. And then there's this the Final Fantasy games. And I don't know how I feel about that. They supersede Final Fantasy, and I, I, I imagine that kind of rubs a lot of people the wrong way. To like, to some extent, I can't. I'm a hypocrite because, as I mentioned before, I've participated in just about every little Final Fantasy VII thing you can. I was reading transcripts of the uh, what was that before Crisis, the phone game that was only in Japan. Like I've done my share of harm of promoting Final Fantasy VII. More than it probably yeah. should be. I mean, my thing is like I like Final Fantasy VII remake. I never even played Seven on PS One. I had a friend who, which is such a shame. It. You should play it. It's a great game. It's been ported multiple times. You can just wait. I'm Drop doing it again. Square won't let me forget. I'm doing it again. Yeah, <laughs> Alex is doing their sales for them. Um, I mean, like I played or like kind of played remake. I like Barrett and Tifa. Or not, but no, no, Barrett and Aerith. Those are those are my favorite characters. Tifa's fine. You didn't like, like Tifa? What is wrong? No, I with liked you? Tifa, but I thought Aerith. I like mage characters oh, more than. Okay. Well, Barrett's not a mage. He's just he's cool. He's black. He's, he's like he's like so. guys with guns for hands. I see. Yeah, there's not too many of those. It's rare. I wonder how he takes bats. I think he just takes the gun off. Probably so. How do you install it on? That's a great question. We don't ask, and we're not answering these questions. But um, I yeah, I mean you know. I like the seven remake thing, but what I do find when it comes to like following Final Fantasy news and like development of new games is that like, and someone's gonna hear this and probably like not really get what I'm saying. I kind of get don't care to hear more new. Like when I, every time I hear news about Final Fantasy seven remake or rebirth or whatever is coming out on this date, and here's all this information about it, I would really kind of rather hear about Final Fantasy seventeen. Or I'd rather hear about, like, or, you know, if we rewind a year or so ago, 16. Like, when 16 was in development, I was more interested in hearing about 16, not Wins Remake Part 2. Like, See, Paul, you don't, you don't get how it works. I'm going to break it down for you. Just try and pay, try and keep up, okay? This is how Final Fantasy works. This is, the, this is it goes from, I'm going to say from top to bottom, most important to least important. So, yeah, Final Fantasy 7, right? That's number right. one, Final Fantasy seven. Then it's Final Fantasy fourteen. Okay, you say so. You're from seven to fourteen. Okay, that's true. I all right, here we go. Now, now we go to sixteen. All right, so seven, fourteen, sixteen. All right. I think it's a seven, fourteen, than anything else. All right. Now you know what comes next. You know what comes next. Eleven. All right. So you go seven, fourteen, sixteen, eleven. Okay. I'll and then that. Final Fantasy eight. Oh, and then twelve. Okay. The, no, no, wait. You could put ten. No, maybe ten before twelve. Yeah, ten before twelve. This is what it's like talking to a Final Fantasy fan. 
Look, oh, just be safe and stay on the outskirts. Don't play these games, people. So my my point is, my point is, like, what about fifteen? I liked fifteen. Final Fantasy Seven is more important than all of what Final Fantasy has been, and is more important than what Final Fantasy will be, or at least that's how Square treats it. I agree with that, and I don't love it, but I do love Aerith and Barrett, so. So, you, like me, you're also part of the problem. I'm part of the problem. Although, I don't think I've actually spent any money on them yet. Wow! You just came for me like that? Hey, I'm just saying. Didn't they? I mean, I know you were telling me in Ever Crisis, they, they're already doing the. They're making swimsuits for the characters and stuff. Barrett now, does not have a swimsuit. Thank which you very much. Which is racist and a sin, by the way, because wow. I wanted that. But no, more. But like, seriously, I, I do think that the fact that they have now made a gotcha game means they're truly at like the. We're gonna take seven and just churn this money. Well, they have like, they Final Fantasy uh, seven, the first soldier. They created characters for that world retroactively after the the battle royale came out, and then only in this game do those characters get like names and like oh yeah and like stories. And to help they created. Them. Like, young Sephiroth for this. So, if we're doing that, anything can happen. Yeah, and they know people love Sephiroth, so they know they want to see young like, Sephiroth. Like, who's the next young character we're going to get? Young Vincent? Oh, my God. So, anyways, that's the Final Fantasy VII Remake trading card game. You're going to be buying? Yeah. I'll probably pre-order some. I know. Well, got any other stories? I'm just really deflated now. As you realize that despite all the issues, you're part of the problem. Yeah, I know, I know. Hey, listen, uh, that's me with Yu-Gi-Oh. I bitch about this game every day, but you know what I do every night? You, d- you do play Master Duel. You up night. on Master Duel. That man doesn't sleep until he plays Master Duel. It's crazy. It's his bedtime, st- it's his bedtime story. Well, if you don't have one, I've got another card game. Then, that's uh, great, because uh, I have an app that I store my stories on. It's not even loading. Well, that's great, because guess what the next card game in the list is for today? Uh, Exclusive ooh, price ooh, reveal ooh. and closer look at pre-release box, booster packs, and Why more Schwartz? for Why Star Wars Unlimited. Spark of Rebellion, I guess that's the name of the first. Uh. With the launch of Star Wars Unlimited approaching the horizon like the binary sons of Tatooine? Yes, it's Tatooine. Oh, I said it right the first time. We're excited to offer an exclusive first look at the products for the first set, Spark of Rebellion. Focuses on the timeline of the original trilogy. I don't know anything about Star Wars, so I'm just going to say this, and you can actually give context. It is not limited to the content, contents of episodes 4, 5, and 6, but will encompass canon media set in the same area. Wait, wait, wait. Repeat the sentence before that. Spark of Rebellion is the first set, focusing on the timeline of the original trilogy. It is not limited to the contents of episodes 4, 5, and 6, but will encompass canon media set in the same era. I, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. This means you won't see characters like Jar Jar Binks or Din Djarin, but you will see... Can you please just say their names like they're regular people? Din Djarin. All right, you just said it like it was a question. But (laughs) Put respect on Jar Jar's name, please. But we'll see others like Canon Jarrus leading with the most recognizable moment. Canon. I don't know shit about Star Wars. 
Leading with the most recognizable moments and characters means the game can appeal to the broader spectrum of Star Wars fans and leaves many doors open for future sets. Are you excited? No. Well, we spoke to Fantasy Flight Games about the first set of Star Wars Limited. Here's what VP of Strategy Jim Cartwright had to say about Spark of Rebellion and its first product line. There's a long quote. All right, I'm going to go through this fast. Here we go. The first year of Star Wars Unlimited is all about foundation building. We wanted to create the building blocks with our products to simplify the player experience, to onboard new players, and be very intentional with our product line. Our pre-release kits help build excitement for each of our sets and put a focus on the limited format that we build from the ground up. New players can jump right into the game with our two-player starter that ensures they have a complete experience in a single product. And like all TCGs, the booster pack is at the heart of it all. Players with any budget, experience level, or collector preference will be able to expand their game the way they want by creating decks with their favorite characters and variants and participate in regular or sealed draft events in our weekly play. While the product line may seem simple, it supports our strong desire to create a play experience for everyone. As the game matures, we already have a roadmap for future products and experiences in the coming years. We intend to support Star Wars Unlimited for a long time, and that simple and this simple product line helps us build the baseline for the future. No. No. What do you mean no? no I, I am not going to be drawn in on this. Like, what? You're going to play Final Fantasy Materia Hunters, but not Star Wars Rebellion? Don't. No. No. <laughs> don't you equate these two things. One, I'm hopelessly addicted to, and the other one uh, is a beloved franchise. However, I have no inclination for playing a Star Wars. You were just saying how game. the new Ahsoka episode or whatever. It came out off. today. I haven't watched it yet. Okay, well, listen, anyway. But Ahsoka did release in Fortnite, and I'll be unlocking that probably tonight. So you're, you're caring about all this, but you won't play Star Wars Rebellion. I have too many card games on my play. Okay, look, I'll probably, look, I'm going to look at the, okay, if I'm being completely honest, <laughs> I'm going to look at their, the the base set, what they're offering. If I see If I see cards that look appealing for my collection, I might pick up some cards. Give it a crack. Okay. But no, no. no I, I will not be playing the game. To be 110% clear, wow. I will definitely not be playing the game unless someone's <laughs> like, you can build the deck of like, like I don't know how I don't know how the game is played, but if I could build a deck of like Mandalorian characters or even a deck Which of clone troopers. Well, you can't build clone troopers because this would be encompassing the original trilogy. They'd be stormtroopers. And stormtroopers are kind of like Nazi soldiers, and I don't want to be a Nazi. But I know if I did live in that time period, I probably would try and join the military. So I guess in a weird way, I would end up a stormtrooper. So but a that wouldn't way be of great. saying that you are going to probably give this card game a shot. No, okay. I, absolutely not. I won't do it. Well, I would love to hear if anybody in the audience is planning on it, because I sure am not. But, um, okay, so here, there's going to be three products planned for launch. A pre-release box, a two-player starter, and a Spark of Rebellion booster pack. You said a two-player starter? Correct. I'm not interested, guys. That was not... Yeah, the two-player starter includes two pre-built 50-card decks, including Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader as leaders. Oh, thank God. I don't like either one of those guys. Damage counters... 
quick start rules, two paper mats, two folded deck boxes. See, I don't like the phrase damage counters. Damage counters means that's more little things I have to keep track of. Oh, the booster packs have 16 cards each. Oh, those are very those are very like There's rewarding booster packs. Booster Lots packs. of cards. A leader, a it base, does a not foil matter. Card, one rare or legendary, and a mix of commons and uncommons. They have leaders like it's a commander type format. So I can pick oh, my favorite well, you can character. Actually see to build what a the deck character Okay, them. whoa. So I actually they have some pictures of the cards. Let me see, let me see, let me see. I, th- I'm just curious. Like here's like Admiral. So there is the, it's original art. Like that's Admiral Hacker. That's Admiral Akbar. Wait, is that what it's? Oh, wait. What's Oh, shit. Admiral Akbar. Admiral. Admiral Admiral Akbar. Here's Leah. Leah. How do I know? Princess Leia. Yeah, there she is. I do like that it does have original art, guys. Uh, I was worried that they would use these, uh, like, kind of... You guys know what some card games do. They, but, they, but these are, like, seeming like fresh artwork that I've never seen before, which is which is nice. That doesn't mean I'm going to get in on it. It does not mean that whatsoever. If this is a live stream, I'd be like, press one if you think he's lying. Wow! Leave a comment pressing one if you think Alec is lying. He's definitely gonna be addicted to this shit. I gonna give it a can't crack. be. I have too many card games as it is. Well, anywho, I don't even have a Lorcana deck, and I. It, I've been trying to get not for lack of trying. I've been trying to get one myself. I, I, I haven't really tried to be pretty. honest. I, I, I mean, I went to the store once after like Larry said See, he found one, and then I couldn't find it there. If Lorcana had Treasure Planet in it. Which it will soon. If it did, Which I could it will. probably be, or maybe Atlantis. Okay, maybe I could be convinced. But <laughs> it doesn't, so I don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Hopefully never. Though I do think Treasure Planet deserves it. It's a great movie. It's my favorite Disney movie, and it should be yours too. And if you hate Treasure Planet, then I hate you. And if you And you can fight me in the comments. Don't bother. I'll delete them. Well, anyway, that's uh, that's the story. You got anything else? Uh, my my app isn't even working right now. Well, that's great because it's time for us to reach into the pot. Don't grab it. Okay, okay. Yeah, time for us to reach. Our, into our the pot, pot has seen better days. We have to be careful with it now. We're gonna draw two cards each. Answer some more of you commenting questions. Oh, I probably should have added more to the pot. I don't know how many is in here. Oh yeah, we might have like. It might only be. Oh no, there's still a few. We might have just enough. All right. What you got, Paul? Favorite childhood bad card. Ooh. Ooh. Mm. So, when I was a kid, my favorite card, I think, was Dark Necrofear. That was a pretty tough one to use. But I, I loved it. I loved it so much. I... Hmm. I'm not sure I remember. I feel like my decks were just bad in general. But, like, was but there a card had, like, a that you just card. really tried to make work, even though it just I, didn't? This one's a bit far out, but I remember, like, really just wanting to, like, use Rapid Fire Magician. Do you remember that? I had it. That was from the, like, uh, the, wiz- the Spellcaster starter deck, right? Yeah, I think so. The Fire one? Rapid fire magician, it like gets. It's fire, right? Like fire attribute. 
I think it's dark. Oh, maybe not. But know. like, it's called Rapid Fire Magician. I think oh, it like gets kind of spell kind. It sucks, but I just liked it because I had an ultimate rare version for some reason. I don't know if I pulled Yu-Gi-Oh it. Yu-Gi-Oh packs were crazy. Something, but it looked really cool. So I was like, I'm just gonna run this in every deck. Like, you ever have a card that you pull and you're just like, it's pretty, so I'm running it in every deck. Like as a kid, I mean. I, I didn't have that many decks. Oh well, I don't even know that I had a lot of decks. I just knew that. Okay, that's another thing. When I was a kid, I don't think I actually had multiple decks. Because as a kid, it was always your deck. So like mm-hmm. your deck would simply would just change evolve. and evolve, but for, certain cards guess, would always. For me, my decks would just get like taken or thrown away. Sometimes mine got washed. It's like between like my dad and my teachers, they kept taking my cards. So, uh, yeah, what's yeah, your question? My turn. So, it says, are erratas a good thing or a bad thing? So, that's that's actually a kind of funny question. Because, see, my first answer is they are a good thing. But when I think about it for a second, well, I'm not so sure anymore. I think erratas to fix cards that are worded not they're not worded the way they're supposed to be, like based off the Japanese translation. Those are good erratas. Erratas to neuter some of the most iconic cards in our game to make them like pale imitations of their former selves, just so they can be legal. I don't like those. I like them one bit. Yeah, I agree one hundred percent. So I don't. I have literally zero disagreements with you. I think that. Um, when it comes to like correcting a little typo or kind of a small miss like interpretation of an effect or something, um, yeah, great. I think those should be errated. I think that they're you know that just it's working as intended type of stuff. Mm-hmm. All those terrible errates they did back in like I think the year was maybe twenty fifteen, at least when we got them, of just you know all those old cards, the what's crush you, card virus. What's your uh, least favorite of those errates? Like the one that just the one that really you. grinds my gears. It's hard to decide. Okay, but I think if I had to pick one, it would probably be Crush Card Virus. I think Crush Card Virus got so heavily just like, reworked on, and man. ruined that it, it just, it really is not even the same card. It doesn't, like, it just doesn't make sense. And they actively made it where your opponent can, sh- that, okay, that's the weirdest part about that Crush Card errata to me. It says, like, okay, you know, you tribute your dark and you get to destroy the things with X amount of attack. But... Your opponent can then pick if they want to destroy up to three monsters in their own deck. So you'll just be helping them, or they just won't do it. But why would your opponent get to pick when it's supposed to be a virus card? It's supposed yeah. to be a... Like, That's like getting corona, and you can just choose, can choose whether or not symptoms. to see symptoms. Yeah, like, no, it's... So I think that was probably the most, like, just truly gutted... But they, but they were all gutted The one bad. that upsets me the most... Chaos Emperor Dragon. That was going to be like my second pick. It's, it's like, just, ugh. Oh, my God. Shell of its form For itself. such a powerful and polarizing monster to be reduced to that. Just. Yeah. Now, it's around. Chaos Emperor is around and nobody cares. It's not. And it's not like. Like, Judgment Dragon didn't need any type of errata. Yeah, I mean, and I know, like, Chaos Emperor, here's what I think the problem with those erratas really was. The time period that they were trying to errata them in, of, like, that kind of um, late 2014, 2015 kind of time, was they were trying, they were overbalancing because you could tell they were just so scared of the idea that, that like, these cards would 
cause some problem. But they were banned. Yeah, and it just, so I don't. It doesn't compute with me because I say just keep them banned. But maybe they had like this initiative of trying to like clear things off the ban list. But I think that when you do that, you're just ruining you're ruining the legacies of these cards, and they just end up in this weird quagmire middle ground that just doesn't. They're nothing anymore. Disgusting. And I also hate that like even in uh, the 25th anniversary collection this year, like if you pull Chaos Emperor, it's like the errated one, Mm-mm. and so it just kind of that's kills, not the move Konami. It just kind of kills it. So. Like, Same it, with Demok. Oh others. God! Yeah, just on your end phase. Demok got gutted as well. It just they completely nerfed it. Uh, just, yeah, guys, we we we, we used to like Aradas. We don't like them anymore. All right. Uh, yeah, I think you get the last card, but. This question is archetypes that have the wrong attribute or type. Hmm. Can I say it again? What are some archetypes that have the wrong attribute or type? There's a few that kind of like I feel okay. like I think right. a lot. All right, I'll, I'll drop it. It's fine. Um so I think there's one that's kind of obvious. Mm-hmm. TR elements should have been zombies. <sighs> I, I think um, mm, I'm trying to think of one that kind of means something more to me because I don't know how much I can take them or leave them. I guess like sometimes I'm always it's it's weird when stuff just gets labeled as warrior or labeled as spellcaster because it kind of like okay incredible or Ecclesi- ecclesia I play dogmatica right so she does not seem to cast any dogmatica spells. ecclesia the virtuous she's a spellcaster but like what. Well, I guess she has a whole like stigmata thing. Like in the lore, that's like magic ish, I guess. And then like Dogmatica Flirtily is a spellcaster. But she also has a stigmata. Yeah, but like but is she casting spells and that you know so I've always kind of felt that they just don't really seem like and even like they're like ritual monsters, like you're telling me Dogmatica Albazoa is a spellcaster? It's like a fiend. I mean there's there's magic at play there. So, you know Not good magic. I don't like that magic, not one bit. So I've always kind of found that that's like an off typing. It just seems like they should be like more so warriors and fiends and stuff. But I mean, I think like Dogmatica Maximus is like a spellcaster, but. Oh, for sure. But like that's an evil spellcaster. You got any? I'm really trying to think. There's something that that's not like coming to me, but it's like an obvious one for me. But I can't think of it. I can't. Well. At any rate, I mean, there's like a lot of archetypes in Yu-Gi-Oh where I, I just get the impression that it was kind of more for balancing. They just didn't want to make something a certain type because it just might sort of, you know, like I, I'm so I can barely even tell why sword swords are worms. I'm not gonna lie, like they just don't really. They're look, worms, so they can't. So they're not dragons. That's the whole thing. They don't really look like worms that much to me, but sure, like, why not? They're worms, so they can't be dragons. Uh, well, anyways, what's your question? Oh, so this is what the I guess the last card from that time where I just added in questions because I forgot to get them off YouTube. Uh-oh. So this one just says, uh, what's your favorite Karibo? My favorite Karibo? Yeah. What's your favorite Karibo? Uh. <laughs> I actually do have an answer for this, mostly because I wrote it. But Yeah, I, I don't play. I mean, I don't. Magic Karibo is probably mine. Okay, more of an aesthetic thing. Just yeah, just because like it's, 
it ties in a Karibo with the Dark Magician support. So I think like in terms of theming, that feels right. Like Karibo would kind of be like a companion friend to the Dark Magician and Dark Mission Girl. My favorite Karibo is actually obvious because I've mentioned it multiple times before. Okay. It's not, not obvious enough for me to know. It is Curry Bandit. Oh, yeah. Cool. Like, yeah good I've taste. always liked Curry Bandit. Curry is cool. Since it came out, was that it, was that World Superstars? No. It was, it was around that time, but it wasn't World Super. I forget what set that was. But it I was, remember uh, when it came out. Oh, man. I remember. I'm trying to think. It was, in, it was, in, was it in the same set as Absolute Back? It was. Same set as Absolute Backjack. Whatever yeah. that set was, I don't yeah. remember anymore. But uh, they came out. Curry like Bandit was my Battles favorite card. It, I think that might have been might the first been Battles that. of Legend. And I just Curry Bandit. I was like, this card's good. Like, this card has to be like like pretty good. But no, it wasn't that good. Or like this, it wasn't even Battles of Legend yet. The set was called like Dragons of Legend. Dragons of that does sound. And they got feels right. like because it had like the Dark Magician with, Girl, the Dragon Knight, or not? Wait, no, no, what, no. This was with Tamias, Hermos, Tamias, and Critias. Yeah, like the, it came uh, out I have Tamias, the Fang of Critias, and the Claw of Hermos. Yeah, it was like Dragons of Legend. Yeah, Kirby was good. Was I remember it was ago. used in like Shadals and stuff really early on. Because so. and that's I remember that's what I wanted to use it for. I wanted to put it in my Shadal deck, but it was like a little slow. I can't I can't remember the exact reasoning on why it didn't work exactly the way I wanted it to. But I ran anyway because I love its design. It's a little bandit Karibo. It looks like it has bad intentions. Yeah, <laughs> looks like it has bad intentions. I like Magic Karibo. It's cute. All the different Karibos are fun. I always thought Yu-Gi-Oh needed to do more with Karibo. I think as a mascot, like yeah. they've been doing it more so recently, but like. Really, like, sell this thing. It can be cute when you want it to be. Or it can be scary. You know what's funny, actually? There's one last bit about Karibo. If you notice, its original art and the way it's depicted today are just, like, night and day different. Yeah, it's very different. It's, like, original art looks, like, a lot more... It's creepier. Just creepy and kind of it's, uh, hypnotizing feeling. I don't know almost. if you've ever seen the Addams Family, but it's, like, a smaller cousin it. Yeah, whereas like nowadays the new Karibo looks like way like they draw its eyes entirely differently and like it feels very in much in line with Wing Karibo from GX, much yeah. more like happy mascotty. I would friendly. almost say it's the difference between a fiend and a fairy. Like yeah. Karibo is a fiend monster, and in back in two thousand two, it looked like a it's a creepy little furry fiend. Whereas like now, I would just buy that it's a fairy. Now that's a bad thing. I think it does a better job for marketing, but, but it's I certainly miss different creepy Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, so uh, I can you know I'll take either one. Like I don't I don't mind either Karibo. Okay, it's both cool. Well, I think that was a great softball question to end this pod on. Agreed. Like we said, guys, uh, next week we'll be in a, a completely different set. Totally different we might be outside. No, we're not going to be outside. Yeah. I can't oh, stand God, what the um, I don't have to put my shoes on. Yeah, we'll see you guys next week. In you're the not party. wearing? No, you're wearing your shoes. Like Let that. us know what you guys thought of any of the topics that we talked about today. It's been a whole bunch of fun. And, and make sure that you watch the Rush Duel video on the main channel. Yeah, check that out, guys. Please. Yeah, please, we could use it. And we'll see you guys in the next one. Past turn.